Hey guys, Tom Ulrich and Sean Quigley here from the podcast What's Going On Here? You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And to get in touch with us, uh, just go to our Facebook page and leave a message or email us at what's going on here podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, guys. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, once again back to another episode of What's Going On Here. Uh, my name is Tomo Loverick, or as I am popularly known in furniture buying circles as T-Love. And with me, as always, is the one and only, the man that makes you think, huh, should I take his clothes off or should I bite his clothes off? The man of the hour, the tower of power. The man whose smile never goes sour. The young Mr. Sean Quigley, a.k.a. the Quig, as he's known in cobbler circles. Yes. How are you, sir? Uh, pretty good. The cobblers send their greetings, by oh, the way. Uh, the furniture sellers, I've heard less good things about, unfortunately. Oh. But they are a, a yes. tough... They're a tough crowd. They're a tough crowd. crowd, yeah. They're a tough crowd, and if you fart in one of their pillows, they just don't want any part of it. Yeah, furniture people are weird people. Yeah, weird, weird people. There were, uh, once upon a time, like maybe a year ago, my wife I wish Star Wars started that way. <laughs> once upon a time, in a galaxy far, far away, three weekends ago. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. My wife was um, helping sell uh, furniture, uh -huh. uh, amongst uh, other things. The contents of a house. Her boss at work was made the executor of, of an estate. Okay, he's an accountant, and this old lady died, and um, he was in charge of uh, kind of. You know, her estate, whatever, getting it all together. And my wife was tasked of kind of selling a lot of the stuff in the house because they were trying to sell the house on, you know. And uh, the people that turned up, there is a whole subculture of these people, these furniture buyers. Uh -huh. Oh my God, they're a weird lot. Okay. When you're ever like selling stuff on mass, whenever someone gets a stink that there might be a deal of something, oh, yeah, yeah, the people yeah, that yeah, turn yeah, up, yeah. they're crazy. Yeah. And they'll take everything. Oh, all yeah. crap any crap yes 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 they're yes. like this that is this for sale and they're like oh I wasn't gonna sell that they're like oh I'll, I'll take it five dollars yeah uh, uh, okay okay yeah 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 and, and they'll be like oh, oh I'm not gonna be able to fit all this in the car uh, I'll come back tomorrow <laughs> right. like, really you only wanted the, the vase that's all you came for are you <laughs> yes. ready you're gonna take the table as well yes Yes, uh, I didn't realize I needed it, but uh, I think I need it now. <laughs> oh my god! That's pretty much that's pretty much how it is. Um, okay, folks. Well, in case you don't know, after that weird intro that we just gave you, uh, we are a podcast that watches TV shows and movies a few people have seen or heard of. We watch the middle twenty minutes. If it's a foreign language show, we turn off the subtitles so we don't know really what's going on. And from those 20 minutes, we try to figure out what's going on in the show. Mm. At the same time, we review uh, local eateries and local breweries when we can. And today, the, the movie we're watching is a Turkish movie from 2009. And we picked this movie because it seemed to have a Christmas theme. Because it was basically, the, the, the um, intro said, the movie was called Neseli Hayat. 
And I'm sure there's going to be like a Turkish person or two that are going to say I butchered that terribly, and I probably did. But it said, burdened by troubles and caught between cultures, Riza takes a job as a mall Santa and finds that real life may not be so different from make-believe. Which I don't understand at all, even that saying. But anyway, so we thought it was kind of a Christmassy thing as we're nearing Christmas. It's the Christmas season, and we pick a, a Christmas movie to watch. So that's our movie. Oh, the It means jolly life, by the way. Is that what it is? Jolly life. Nesali. Oh, that's odd, because in Croatian, Vesely, and in a lot of the Slavic languages, that's, that's happy. Huh. Vesely, yeah. with a V instead of an N. I wonder who got it from whom. I, yeah. Interesting. Anyway. Um, so our restaurant is Europe Cafe and Grill, which, appropriately enough, is a Turkish uh, restaurant. And it's located at 1 Highwood Avenue in Tenafly, New Jersey. And our beer is called Black which is a Belgian-style stout by Allagash Brewery out of Portland, Maine. And it has a 7.5% ABV. And let me see if there's any info um, on the IBUs. Generally, with the stouts, there's nothing. Yep, no, no, nothing available for the IBUs, so not applicable, in other words. All right. So that's what we got. Nesli Hayat, which <coughs> jolly life in Turkish, as we found out. Uh, our food is European, uh, Europe Cafe and Grill. And we both had the chicken shish, which is basically the chicken shish kebab that they give you on a bed of rice and some veggies. And we have an Alagash uh, Black, basically, from Portland, Maine. And since our beer is pretty much the star of the show, let's start with our beer, shall we? Oh, sound effect there for the uh -huh. for the customers. You're welcome. And there we go. I was gonna say I drove past our friends at the elementary. Uh -huh. um, I saw a building I've not seen before. There was a sign. I was wondering, is it the same thing as what they've bought? It's called is it said Hackensack Brewing Company, or is that something s separate? That might be something. There was one of the guys who was a friend of right theirs. Right near them, like two streets. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. He was gonna open another brewery. He was gonna have a small microbrewery too. Because I told you they've expanded their production yeah. facility. They they got a building across the way, like 11,000 square feet, which is nuts. Because yeah. I think the whole thing they had up until now, which is their brewing, the tasting room, their offices, their lab, uh -huh. was 10,000 square feet. And now it's just 11,000 just for the brewing, so they're re doing really well. Mm. But anyway, cheers, my friend. Cheers, indeed. Let's go. Let's try black, the Belgian-style stout. Oh my. Mm. Oh, this is nice. Now it comes in a 12 ounce bottle. It's brown, but even through the brown glass, you can see this is the color of like tarmac. I mean, this is a, yeah. this is some mud brown stuff, but mm. Belgian, is this what a Belgian style stout tastes like? Cause it's not particularly stouty. You know what? In, no. in terms of like, it's smooth. This is super smooth. It tastes Belgian-y though. I can taste it tastes Belgian-y, Belgian yes. Or maybe, I, I, I guess, maybe that's what it is. But 7.5%. It doesn't drink like a 7.5%. No. This is, this is a nice beer. Yeah. No, really, really nice. Portland, Maine. It has the full... We had, what was it? Last time we had... 
we had the last brunch, which was a porter, a coffee porter. And that one was super, super light. Not very portery, and we, we both mentioned it was, it's, not that it was a bad beer, mm. but it, we definitely didn't expect what we were tasting. It was more like a, like a black lager or something like that. This has all the, the, the flavor and the fullness of a stout to me. Yeah. But, like, the body's not there. Oddly enough, it's light. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, it is. So, I mean, again, we just keep hitting these, like, stouts and porters that we're not getting what we expect to be getting. Mm. But this is very nice. It tastes really nice. Very good taste. It's very nice. It good job, Allagash. I love the taste. I guess slightly off topic, but not really. I, it's driving me fucking crazy. The more I see it, it used to irritate me. Uh-huh. The Bud Light commercials, the, the, the Dilly Dilly Bud Nightmare. <laughs> Initially, they irritated me just right. because of the medieval thing. Right. I used to get to work constantly. People, Dilly Dilly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because initially, it was just a funny little medieval kind of thing. Right. But now, and it's going to sound very political, it sounds like I'm getting very hard-lined, but with the rise of Trump and everything, because I'm pretty sure that they started doing it pre-Trump. Yes, yeah. But since that, it, it's been getting more and more, it's getting, it's getting really cynical to the point where now it's all about people who like, they're, they're having a go at people who like craft beers or like fancy beers and making them Is seem it? like yeah have you not seen the last few of them i saw uh, the only one i saw was the one with the cider is that the one you're talking no, about the last few where he says like is it autumnal yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then they put them in the stockade outside yeah. no the last couple of them now are all about people that are trying to like it the joke what and the joke oh no no, is, no, no. i saw the one with the french ones like a taste of flavor and yeah 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 okay yeah, yeah, i saw yeah. one on yeah 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 okay yeah yeah, yeah. And, and I forgot what their tagline is now, but it's something like that. The tagline is something like, I don't know, but it's it's so of that mind. It's it, so of the like, you know, screw that, burn light. But when you need a beer, not a there's whatever. there's there's a whole there's a whole movement because it's like because of the hipsters. There's a whole movement of like, no, I just want a Bud Light and I want a Coors and I want a, you're just a regular beer. It's like, you don't know. That's a shit beer. Yeah, you just now, need it. Now, now, granted, the hipsters went, and, and we've said this before on different episodes, what they did with the brewing industry is the same thing they did with the chicken wing industry. When it's like, oh, hot wings. Okay. They're supposed to be spicy, but full of flavor. And then, you know, chefs were like, oh, who's going to make a hotter wing? Who's going to make a hotter wing? To the point where you, you don't taste anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, you might as well just like take a shot of gasoline and throw a match in your mouth because it's literally the same thing. Your lips swell, you can't taste anything for days, and then when it comes out the other end, your ass burns for days, <laughs> you know? And, and so like for a while, that's what the brewers were doing to see who can make beer that's just more bitter. Yeah. And I remember, who did it once? And this was years ago. My friend brought over a sample of it. It was called Bigfoot Ale, I think. I think it might have been Sierra Nevada. <laughs> and it was so hoppy. It literally tasted like I was chewing on a broom. Yeah. <laughs> it, it literally. It was just... And I was like... And my friend's like, oh... Now, it was like 10.5%. But again, it was, it was like somebody said, Here, you're only allowed to eat the grapefruit skin, not the grapefruit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how bitter it was. It was just god-awful. And I remember just like, like trying to, 
And I got maybe like a third of the way on a bottle through and I was just like, I can't. This is like, there's absolutely nothing enjoyable about this to me. Yeah. Now, maybe there's somebody out there who thinks this is the bee's knees, but... And I'm all for having your individual taste and go for it. But when like the whole spectrum kind of goes in that direction, you're like, okay, I just, you know... It's kind of, and we've talked about that, like with the IPA. Sometimes the IPAs get so hoppy. I'm glad that so many brewers make so many different types of beers. Like, like we said, the guys at the elementary, they're always doing something new and something different. So it's like if you had enough with the IPAs, well, you could get a Gaza, you could get a Lager, you could get a Kelsch, you could get, you know, you could get a Porter. All these things just just kind of cleanse your palate for a while. Of these beers, even if it's just a, like a light fruity summer beer, you know, like a sour or something. It's like, mm. oh, okay, great. But like I said, the brewers did the same thing where they were just they were just doing it for like how many hops can we fit into this? Mm. Because the famous commercial back in the day was when Sam Adams was advertising, and it said most brewers put in two point seven ounces of hops per barrel of beer, and Sam Adams puts in a pound, but sixteen ounces. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's why Sam Adams tastes like beer. Yeah, yeah. There's flavor to it. You know, two two ounces in a barrel, it's like counting the grains of salt that you put in a soup. You know, it's just like, what do you know? It's it's not going to taste of anything, you know? So, and, and like I said, they just kind of drove it the other way. And, and, and so there's, especially amongst college kids now, the college kids, they just want to drink Bud and Bud Light and PBR and... and and I'm just like, all right, well, you know, when you're young, I'll give you that excuse because, one, if you don't have the money, it's about quanti- quali- quantity, not quality. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, okay, I, I understand. Because I kind of had that viewpoint when I was a kid, like, with the various boozes and stuff like that. And I was like, because, of course, I couldn't afford them. Yeah. And I was like, no, that's just pompous. That's people just showing off that they have money to spend, blah, blah, blah. Until I had money to spend, you know. <laughs> and then it was like, actually, no, this, is, this tastes way better. You know, than than just the regular slop that you get. You know, it's just such a strange dichotomy to me. The idea that somebody who would be all about you think the working man would be all about like local, like you know, small man, small, small man, man makes absolutely beer. moonshine style. Man yeah. makes beer in backyard. Like, yeah, he's my pal. We're gonna drink that beer. Yeah, we don't want to drink multi corporation billion dollar Wall Street stock market right. beer. Right, but that's exactly what happens. And you get the like the people that have the money, the you know the Wall Street traders, probably more likely to be drinking their like whatever pumpkin spice ale from like a brewery, right? And the working man's drinking Coors Light. Yeah, it's yeah. like what? Yeah, how have you managed to get yourself tricked into this crazy rubbish? Like I said, you know, I didn't realize just how much a difference there is in the flavors of the beers until mm. we did. You weren't here with Andrew. We did the episode and we did the four beers. We did the the two top selling quote unquote the two top selling big brew beers and the two top selling quote-unquote craft beers and it was Bud Light, Coors Light and Belgian Moon and Sam Adams. Yeah. And the the difference and the Bud Light apparently outsells Coors Light two to one and they are and by far in terms of sales compared to the other beers no one's touching Bud Light at all. Yeah, Whether well, it's Coors there, Light might as well just be like Coors Light for when they don't have Bud Light. <laughs> pretty much. And when I tasted the difference between those two beers, like I was literally just like closing my eyes and pinching my nose to just like swallow the rest of the Coors Light. And I mean, when I think about it back in college, that's all we drank. Because yeah. a pitcher of Coors Light was four bucks. You know, so it's like, yeah, four dollars, we could get six beers out of this? Great, let's, let's do that, you know, kind mm-hmm. of stuff. 
It's like there's a reason why I pay just four dollars because this beer just doesn't taste. Not not only does it not taste of anything, it just tastes terrible. I would I I could drink I would drink Bud Light if it was like over, like Yingling though that I can't stand because at least at least Bud Light cause like don't really taste of anything like they're so weak yeah that the in, they're sort of inoffensive in a way but it's when they try and put flavor in a beer and when they're like fails hey, miserably and someone thinks that they're better yeah. because they're like oh my beer has flavor i drink like a real man's beer i drink yingling I'm like, oh. <laughs> it just tastes like a, a shoe it looks, Cor- oh. Coors Light you cannot pay me to drink literally well maybe you could pay me to drink it but yeah. like I said I'm not drinking more than two yeah Bud Light like you said if nothing else, they have made that beer so that it can be... And that's probably what they geared for. It's so fizzy, one. Mm-hmm. It's almost like champagne. And it tastes of so little yeah. that you're like, oh, yeah. I mean, there's a reason why people bring a 30-pack of it to the beach. Yeah. Because even in the hot sun, you'll have three of them and nothing's going to happen to or you. Or in a football game. Or, or a, a football game. You, you have it, three yeah. of these at the beach, you're dead. Yeah. You know? Or <laughs> that they brand both of those as being such a... So much emphasis is put on the fact that it's best enjoyed ice cold, like ice cold. But so like you can't ice, taste you can't anything. Exactly. Yeah. Might as well boil it. If you have it like <laughs> at sort of room temperature, right. it would taste <sighs> like it's oh. true flavour. Yeah, oh, it's awful. And they're it, joking it, about English people drinking their beer warm, and it's like they don't drink it warm, but it's like you can get away with drinking it at room temperature yes, because it tastes because it's of beer. Of <laughs> beer, right? As opposed to tasting like urine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do I drink my own urine? <laughs> yes, because it's sterile and I like the taste. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, anyway. But this is like I like I said, Allagash. This is a nice job because whatever a Belgian style stout is, this definitely doesn't drink like a Guinness. Oh no! Like a Guinness is eating a cake compared to this. <laughs> yeah, but this. And it says here, chocolate and coffee notes flow throughout this dark and silky Belgian-style stout. I can taste the coffee. I can taste the chocolate. And it's just so smooth and does not feel like a 7.5%. It just... This is a good job. This is a good beer. Yeah. No, it is. It's really nice. Very Belgian-y. Like, I imagine I could have this in a fancy little Belgian bar somewhere. Sure. Sure. Never been to Belgium, but... It's one of those places as a kid it seemed very boring but now I'm an adult it seems to be very appealing oh yeah especially with all the canals oh yeah because that's like the thing that most people don't know like the because everyone thinks canals they think the Netherlands but Belgium is also one of the low-lying countries and mm. tons of canals and beautiful architecture etc etc yeah okay now to our show Nestle Hyatt so we picked the show with the idea of it being something it, it, it said it was a comedy did it not on the thing um, yeah, it did. Does it comedy. say it was a comedy? It a comedy. Nestle Hyatt. It sounds like a chocolate hotel. It, it does sound like a... Did you say a chocolate hookah? <laughs> Ch- a chocolate hotel. Oh, so chocolate like hotel. Nestle like... Hyatt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. Oh, it doesn't say anything. Now, it was rated three stars. Hour 47. We started watching at minute 44. I found out the star is also the director. In a quick Googling. Oh, did you? Yeah. The star is the director. Mm-hmm. Is that why so like slow and dull it was? <laughs> this is see this is we've tried this is our third I think Turkish TV show. Now the first one was Subat. Yeah. And Subat was and this isn't hyperbole. 
Subat was glorious in comparison oh, to yeah. these last two Turkish things that we saw. Yeah. Subat was fantastic. There was tons of stuff going on. Yeah. It was out of this world bizarro, but there was tons of stuff going on and tons of interesting, interesting in stuff happening. Netflix cancels all their Marvel shows. <laughs> Why is this on? And right. Subat is on. <laughs> <laughs> right. The amount of crap that we've watched on Netflix. <laughs> right. And they're, they're cancelling Daredevil. Sh- shush, shush. Otherwise, we don't have a oh. podcast. <laughs> we don't have a podcast without this. But the show before that was the one with the girl visiting the brother and just drinking tea in a shop and not bugger all happened yeah. for the 20 minutes. This is similar, and we seem to be on just... Well, I, I shouldn't say that. We're not on a roll, but we have hit a lot of like shows where bugger all happens. Yeah. The back, last one was Backcountry. Like, literally nothing happened. They were just lost in the woods. Uh-huh. Um, but we have had since then, the, 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 the show before episode 49, we did Strong Girl Bong Soon, and that was actually very appealing. And, and actually not a bad TV show from like what we saw. Obviously, we didn't understand what they were saying. This one, we don't understand what they're saying. We don't understand what's going on. We like This one is really like, what's going on here? Nobody knows. No one knows. I, I'm even pretty sure Turkish people watching the show are like, what, what the fuck's going on here? We don't. Because l- let me basically start with the play-by-play from the get-go. So because we start at minute 44, which is the beginning of the middle 20 minutes. We see who we assume is our lead walking into... Was he talking to his wife? Or, or was he like leaving the mall? No, he wasn't dressed as Santa yet, was he? Like right at the get-go? I can't even remember the beginning. <laughs> it was that dull. We weren't paying attention. I feel like there were three places. <laughs> his house, a restaurant, the mall. That's, it, that's, that's all that, I know. No, right. It was his house, the... Landlord or father-in-law's house. Oh, we're we're not house. sure if that was the landlord or the father-in-law. Yeah, yeah. There was the restaurant mm. and the mall. So there was four locations, literally. Yeah. So anyway, in, in, in the beginning, he's he's. Um, I mean, in a normal TV show, at least the restaurant would be interesting for the fact that it would be a Turkish restaurant. In this show, it wasn't even that. No, right, it's just a restaurant. It's just a restaurant, <laughs> exactly. Boring. <laughs> it's boring. <laughs> <clears throat> He's, um, God, no, I don't remember what the hell happened. There was I a think mustache, he, I know that. Th- yeah, there's lots of mustaches, yes, yeah, very Turkish looking, all the men, big noses, big mustaches, except for the lead, the lead's mustache was kind of like, his mustache was a little weaker than my mustache, and I thought, like, I was actually looking at a, a photo the other day, I was like, you know what, my mustache has gotten respectable, like, I remember mm-hmm. mine when I was a kid, and it was just this little, like, caterpillar on my lip and now it's getting to be kind of like especially when i don't trim it it's like oh okay this is good his wasn't but some of those mustaches on Mm. these guys in the movie they were just magnificent i just don't get it i don't know where it comes from i'm like what when did it come in this fashion it's just always been i don't think it's come in i think it's always been used to have big old beards back in the olden days sure no the mustaches have always been it's always been a middle eastern thing like big mustache Big, big, fierce mustache. It's, it's like, and I mean, obviously it changes from family to family, from yeah. part of country to part of country. You know, it depends on where your area is. My, my guess is it's culturally in India. speaking. I don't understand India either. It's like, 
India are the same with the mustaches. They like a good mustache. I they do. You don't see beards. They do. Um, they don't like them as much as in Turkey, though. Mm. Turkey, Iraq. I mean, when you think about it, like with Saddam, everybody in everyone looked like they were a clone of Saddam. Yeah. Because everyone had the same face and the same freaking mustache, and the mustaches were trimmed to basically follow his, his sons. All his generals. All the best dictators have mustaches. <laughs> All the best dic- Well, Gaddafi didn't. Oh, he did. No. He did that razor thin, tiny little stupid. Uh... He did. Yeah. Oh, it I was don't remember disgusting. But was... that's see, but that's not a real proper mustache. Yeah. Well, he no. Doesn't have the. And then of course you, you you what's his face the various Kim Jongs they like, I guess because they're East Asian they kind of can't help the fact that they don't have big mustaches, and then there's Putin. Who I'm sure would be, if he wanted to, could grow a glorious Poor Russian mustache. <laughs> oh, that is terrible! That yeah. caterpillar. Oh my god! Gaddafi. <laughs> that almost looks like that's his sister put on a wig. You know, <laughs> that's yeah. how like thin that mustache is. Yeah, then no, he wasn't a very good mustache. Yeah. But anyway, so our hero starts off, <clears throat> and he's. I, I want to say he's talking to somebody. Oh, was, did it start in the rain in the restaurant? Is that where it started? Maybe. It, 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 there was a scene beforehand, and he was talking to somebody. He was either leaving. He was either leaving his house or the mall, one or the other. Nothing of any import happened whatsoever. And then we see him in the rain, talking to a friend. He has a hat on. His friend has his has pulled his coat over his head, and they're talking about something. And it's very dour. Almost the conversation. It's it's like nothing of any. Yeah. There's no alarm. There's no nothing. It just seems like he's commiserating about something. Then they walk into this little restaurant. There's a bunch of guys at a table, and the friend who walked in kind of rolls his eyes at the guys at the table, basically kind of like, "Well, what am I going to do? You know, I, I'm kind of stuck. I got to listen to him bitch and moan and whatever." And then he starts talking to the guys at the table. And he's kind of like, well, what do you expect me to do? What can I do? Blah, blah, blah. You know, kind of carrying on like that for about... And some guys are chirping back at him. And he's saying like... I mean, to me, it sounded like, like I have no other choice. Blah, blah, blah. Maybe because he's playing a Santa in the mall. And um, the guys all get offended, except for one. They all get offended and they get up and leave. They leave the restaurant and they leave the table. Yeah. And so the guy that was with him in the beginning with the hat over his head... Is talking. Our hero goes over to, to, to the table where all the other guys were sitting, and the one guy stayed. And he's just now, now he's really just opening his soul to these two guys who are stayed with him. And he's drinking and moaning constantly. And then, of course, they do a, a cut edit where it's much later, and obviously he's already drunk, and he's still just moaning on endlessly about something, and it's really boring. And then, of course, it gets to the point, and I always love. Culturally speaking, this is it's hilarious to me to see the way men handle grief in different cultures. Uh-huh. And, you know, you go to Eastern Europe, Southeastern Europe, so your former Yugoslavia, your Romania, your Bulgaria, you go into the Russias, you know, Ukraine, uh, Greece, Albania, Turkey... These are very macho cultures. Make yeah. no mistake about it. Very macho, you know. Mm-hmm. And you go to the Middle East, even more macho, you know. It seems like the further east you go, the, like the testosterone just freaking just keeps shooting up. And until you hit Japan, and then it's like confusing. Japan have a very confusing 
subculture of testosterone it, versus not testosterone. It does, but at the same time, it, it is and it isn't. Or maybe Tokyo. Maybe it's a Tokyo thing. It's probably a city thing. J- J- well, Japan is like one of those... I was watching... Who's... I forget the guy's name. But he's one of these popular... You know, they sensationalize like architect... Uh, not architecture. Archaeology. Uh-huh. And he goes... Josh something. Really tall guy. Very pleasant. And he goes looking for legends of various either creatures or old treasures and blah, blah, blah. And he did an episode on um, Japan. And he like, and they filmed him, and he he was on the train in Japan, like on the car traveling. And of course, he's like one. He's already a big guy, like even by Western standards, because he's like six four, six five. He's a big dude. Yeah. And he's towering over everybody in this car, and he's talking really quietly. He's like, you know, if we were on the subway in New York City, there'd be some guy in the corner screaming about Jesus. And a homeless guy would be pooping in the corner, which, no word of a lie, a couple of weeks ago, I was on the A train, and a homeless guy, like, pooped in his pants in front of everybody, and then reached into his pants and pulled out the poop and put it in a little baggie, and then threw that and a pair of pants, I guess, that he already ruined onto the platform at 145th Street, and, like, the car just, like, when when he he was, like, because he was just sitting there. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's kind of stinky. You know, he's kind of like a stinky guy. But then he's like, kind of like standing up. And um, if I'm cutting out, it's because I'm demonstrating for Sean here. And he's kind of doing this kind of thing. And he's shaking his pants. So he would crap in his pants. And then letting him like drop into his shoe. And then he'd fish it out of his shoe and put it in a bag. So he was taking a dump standing up in front of the whole train. <laughs> And everyone started just like clearing the space, and then he like took everything in another bag and just kind of door open at 145th Street and just threw it all on a platform. And everyone just like went to the far end of the train. I got off the freaking train because I was like, I'm gonna wait for the next one because I just can't even deal with this. Oh, that's right. like biological terrorism. Right? That train. Much. I was like, oh my god. So anyway. <laughs> Oh, I mean, that's... Oh, yeah. It was on the illness. A train, I want to say two, three weeks ago. Oh, yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah, it was awful. Thank God he, like, threw it away. The second you said he put it in a bag, I was like, oh, no. What then what did he do? He smashed up the bag and he drank it all like a smoothie. <laughs> that would be the least of my worries. I was worried he was going to go spider monkey on everybody and just start <laughs> flinging it at people on the car. I would. That would almost be worth it as, like, a hidden camera show just to see how people would react on the A-train. If it, it was, like, fake poop, some of them just started to pretend to throw poop around. Oh, my God. God, yeah, it was awful. But anyway, so this guy was saying, how, you know, basically that this would be happening on a, on a New York City subway. <laughs> and I was just like, he's not wrong because it happened just a couple of weeks ago. And, um, and he was talking about Japan because he was looking for like a legendary samurai sword in this episode. And he was saying Japan is basically a country of contradictions. They're very, very, very steeped in tradition. Yeah. Like, like militantly so. At the same time, which is almost incongruous to that keeping to the tradition, they are ridiculously open to new and the future. Yeah. So that's why you'll see this like really stern samurai thing with, you know, Hello Kitty tattooed on the forearm. It's like, what? What's what? What? You know, it's kind of like you would think, no, 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 you're going to be conservative and stuck here. But yeah. they're not. They're, they're like 
in one on one hand they're super conservative and on the other hand they're super progressive and it's just you know like it, it, it kind of I mean it's neat because it opens your mind to like okay yeah you can keep traditions you don't have to be a dick about it but keep traditions you know and when something new comes along just like oh how can we incorporate it into our traditions and that's kind of what they do it fascinates me the Japanese it's like there was there, I don't know if you saw it there's a movie Scorsese's latest film uh, I said latest it was a couple of years ago now the uh-huh. last one we did from my knowledge uh-huh. it's called Silence oh yes 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 with Liam Neeson and, and, and yeah. Andrew Garfield and, and um, what's his name from Star Wars uh, uh, I love him A- uh, Adam Driver yes yes. did yes, you yes, see yes. it I did not I wanted to I did okay. not a big long film I recommend it Good film. Yeah. Worth a watch. It's a slog though. Yeah. It's long. It's like three hours, probably more. Yeah. Um, anyway. Very depressing. Very depressing. Very deep. Very long. It's yeah. basically his Schindler's List, but like not, not about Jews and the Holocaust. Right. Christian missionaries in Japan. Yeah. In like the 1600s, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my God, like it is like, it is the weirdest contradiction of the fact that like the stuff that goes on is harrowing and these people are just torn apart and they're just like tortured and it's terrible and it's blah, 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 blah. But uh, it, I guess if you watch it as a religious person, specifically a practicing Christian, I imagine, you would watch it and you get the desired effect. Yeah. But I'm watching it already having, you know, my own frustrations with organized religion. Right. In my own personal experience specifically right. Catholicism. So I watch it and, I'm, and all I'm sitting there doing is just being like, I really don't think these Japanese people are being too out of hand. I mean, like, <laughs> basically, like, yeah, they're doing terrible shit to you and you're going through all this crazy martyrdom rubbish. But all they want you to do is put your foot on the Bible. Like, that's it. And in some cases, they just want you to put your foot on a picture of Jesus. They're not even saying, like, you know, say, fuck Jesus. They're like, in like the multiple times throughout the whole thing, the point is, is just like, they're like, you put your foot on the Bible. Like, put your foot on it. And they're so... They're so fervently religious, these monks. They're so like, that's so the opposite of what they're like. They would never do. They go through all this crazy stuff. And because all the Japanese are saying is basically they're like, we don't really have a religion. But we're like, we're not saying join our religion. We're not saying whatever. Yeah. All we're saying is you came to our country and you start to try and convert all our people. Everybody, yeah. We don't like it. Yeah. yeah. Just all we want you to do is just be like. It's, it's. It's it's well, I mean, it's very modern day related, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with all the all the all the conservative Christians talk about they don't want Sharia law here. Yeah, yet they yeah. want everybody to follow fucking all these Christian fundamental laws. It's like, wait a minute. Yeah. If you don't want somebody's religion forced on you, why is it okay for you to force politically your religion on everybody else? Why is that okay? Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. You know that that's why I mean, if you read the histories, and they talk about Genghis Khan. And he was historically super progressive. Yeah. Because he basically, he conquered everybody, right? He was ruthless. He was a ruthless, let's not sugarcoat it. He was a ruthless guy. If you disagreed with him, he'd kill you. What was it? The famous story is like some, it was a city-state somewhere in the Middle East, modern-day Iraq or something like that. And he sent a peace envoy and said, if you surrender to me, you'll stay in charge of what you're in charge of now. Yeah. You'll just pay levies to me. Yeah. Pray to whomever you want to pray to, blah, blah, blah. So they cut the messenger's head off and sent the basket back to, to Genghis Khan. He sent the second messenger, same thing. They cut the head off, sent it back. He was like, all right, uh-huh. fuck you then. Yeah. Basically went into town. The order is to kill anybody taller than a wheel axle on a wagon. Uh-huh. So And that's like what? 
a foot and a half off the ground. So basically, unless it's an infant, yeah. you kill it. Yeah. And they raised the town to the ground and salted the earth of the entire area. And it was like, kind of like, whoa. And so, ruthless. Yeah. At the same time, he was just like, pray to whomever you pray. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. You're, you, you know, I'm ruling everybody. And they said, at the, I mean, it's one of these things why, like, when you see people veer towards a certain ideology, like, particularly when you're veering to the right, well, look at all this law and order. And they used to say, you, during Genghis Khan's rule, you could walk from, more or less, from Denmark to Korea and never be attacked once. Yeah, yeah. Because they all knew if something happened under his watch in his kingdom... He would find you and your family and all your descendants and relatives and just kill them. Yeah, yeah. Kind of stuff. Which isn't very reasonable at all. No. But at the same time, it was just like, wow, when else, ha- you know. Seems, seems even less reasonable when one day you're walking along and, and you get killed because uh, you find out that your great uncle Willie stole a chicken like right. a year ago. Exactly. Well, like, exactly. What? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, <laughs> it's all these slippery slopes and nobody at yeah. first wants to look at the slippery side of the slope yeah. when, when they accept these things and and yeah I, anyway so where were we oh yeah in the bar in the restaurant I mean complaining to the two friends and the two friends are dutifully listening to him kind of like leaning on his hand and talking back to him like this because this guy's been gone on for hours and then the dude starts singing I guess that's that's where I was getting to the point like all these macho cultures and how to like share your sadness is to start singing terribly. And the two friends are just sitting quietly listening to him sing and they cut away to the outside of the restaurant and he keeps on singing. He comes home to his wife drunk and she looks at him with disgust and goes off to bed and he falls asleep on the couch. His wife, who kind of looks like she could be his daughter as well. Yeah, there seems to be quite the disparity in age. Yeah, because he looks to be in his mid to late 50s I'd say yeah. and she looks to be like 35 yeah, yeah, by the looks of it you know because she was very smooth faced very not you know not like a girl it, yeah. she, she didn't look like a girl in her 20s no but she looked to be in, she looked to be 35 she was childbearing age still 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 yeah yeah absolutely yeah so he comes home hammered um oh I think that's where the first scene was they no, was it? No, anyway. He comes home hammered, falls asleep. He wakes up, he hears his wife vacuuming. And he's still on the couch. And he basically says, hey, why didn't you wake me up? And she just kind of gives him a look. He's like, well, I don't, why, do you have to be somewhere kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. And he runs, and he's running for the bus. And he gets on the bus, and he runs to the mall. And uh, he talks to... He, he gets on the bus, and there's the weird effect. I, I noticed it. And it's the only time throughout the entire thing there was ever some sort of weird... Yes. effect they put in and like the only reason I can think of it is they got like extras I feel like they they initially got they were like oh we need four extras to just stand in line for the bus <laughs> because we need people the effect of people in front of him yep. so that he's behind the thing and like maybe someone was like Ooh, my cousin, he wants to be extra too. <laughs> they're like, yes, my, my sister, she come. And then they just bring people, they're like, yes, my whole family, they come to stay for the extras. And they're like, oh, they're like, fine, you all the extras. I don't care. Apparently, you turn up. <laughs> Apparently just... Turkey gets all his extras from Kazakhstan. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looked like, it might as well have been Borat 2.0. <laughs> this is true. And then they're just like, Borat, the unfunny years. <laughs> and it's just, and, and, and it's just an unnecessary amount of people in front of him 
to the point where it's like maybe it could be funny if they played up to it but what it just obviously ends up in the editing room being like is the director of Sick Nick who's also the actor who just has flashbacks to all these fucking extras turning up that day in front of him That's and right. he just does it, he's just like no fuck this there's too many people <laughs> this <laughs> this shot is taking too fucking long for me to get on the bus just uh, just blur it quickly make them get on the bus there's this weird like effect where there's all these people ahead of him and they're walking on the bus and then there's just like a fade to just the last person apart from him getting on yeah but it's just really a place with it's, the way it's shot. right because they went they went through the trouble of doing the whole montage yeah of him hurriedly putting on shoes running out the house running up the street because his house is at the bottom of a hill yeah. and he's booking and I remember thinking like you know he's got an impressive run for an older guy yeah because <laughs> he's going uphill and he's running up the hill and he turns and he gets to the bus and he stops and like hands on knees puffing and you're like okay. And then they were like, yeah, this shot's taking too long. Like, this really <laughs> Let's ruins do a fade. the effect of everything being in a rush when we have to wait 10 minutes for everyone to get on the bus. And, and, then, the, and then the worst part is, so they go to the bus and the bus pulls away. And then they don't show him getting off the bus, but he's obviously off the bus now. And he's outside of the shopping center mall. And he's running. And they show him running in the mall. And he runs into the toy store. And he asks one of the women, is the boss here yet? And she says no. And he quickly, hurriedly goes in and, and puts on his like Santa outfit. So this whole little racing running montage and this fade, yeah. which... I have no idea where that came from. It was bizarre because it would have added, I don't know, 15 seconds to the movie? Because yeah. people were getting on the, on the bus. There was, like you said, maybe four or five people ahead of him. Yeah, I guarantee based on the effect that in the script, there wasn't going to be any effect. It was just going to be getting on the bus, there's a line of people, takes a while, he's trying to get on, he gets on. And then in the edit, he's sitting in the room and they're like, Oh my god, this shot is literally a minute and a half long. Oh my god, we can't reshoot it. Right. Uh, just do something, fade, uh, fade, just right. a weird fade. So, so from there, um, the guy puts on a suit, he goes outside. Some dude comes along with his two kids, and the two kids want to take a picture with Santa. So he puts his arms around them and he's saying something. The guy, the father of the two kids, takes out the camera, he takes a picture, and one of the kids yanks his beard off and the kids run up two boys run off and the the, the 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 guy starts yelling after the kids and saying some stuff i guess that's like out of line and then the father tells him hey what what are you thinking those are my kids blah 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 and he's like oh, uh. and then he feels all self-conscious about it and then the father of the two boys walks into the toy store and complains to the manager and basically the manager fires him so now he's fired and he goes, comes back home, uh, 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 all sad and kind of droopy dog-eyed. And his wife and her brother are waiting for him. So, and I'm expecting at this point, I'm almost expecting a Turkish version of Miracle on 34th. <laughs> it's kind of going that way. Where he's fired from the shop <laughs> and then has to go to Turkish court to prove that he's really Santa Claus. Yes, it, it, like, it's... What is your name? He's like... Chris Kringle. <laughs> and like, oh. well, right. So they they um, he quickly drops his Santa outfit off, and he goes back out with his wife and who I assume to be her brother, uh, kind of like a little bit of a wormy guy. Mm. And they go just down the hill into a house in someone's house, and there's two guys sitting on the opposite side of the wormy guy, and he and his wife are sitting off to the side, and there's an older woman. There's an older guy who's obviously holding court with these Coke bottle glasses that are like tied on with twine because the, 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 the ear rests 
or whatever you call the little sides here of the glasses were broken. And he's holding court and the wife is saying something like, talk to her. And I couldn't quite make out, it's like, is this the wife's... The, the only reason why I thought they were family was because of the two women's reaction. Because mm -hmm. they were kind of trepidatious on the side, like in the kitchen, listening in. And I guess they were determining whether the father's going to let them live where they're living. And all these houses look to be a little bit, a little bit ghettoish, like they're not particularly fancy or anything. The neighborhoods. Yeah. yeah. And um, the Wormy brother is kind of like in the middle and being looked at by the other two the, uh, brothers sideways or whatever. And the father-in-law is almost this cross between. Genghis Khan and Yoda, where he's just like super stern and kind of kooky at the same time. It's a very odd face. Very odd face. I don't face. think I've ever seen anyone with their eyes so far up their head. Yes. Just like... He had a huge nose. Mm. And I mean, talk about majestic mustache. His mustache oh, yeah. was like out of this world. Yeah. It, I feel it, like he had the a size of a fist between his yes, nose and yes. his lip. That, and not only that, that mustache literally looked like... If a head turned and you saw it was an otter resting on his lip, I would not have been surprised. But like, mm -hmm. whoa, okay, yeah, that's a really furry otter you have there. It was really quite something. And then he would smile and his teeth were awful. Yeah, yeah. Like they were just like like Conan the Barbarian villain kind of teeth. They were just yeah. like really terrible. So they leave the, 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 the place and go back to his house. And then the next scene is him going to the mall back again to beg for his job back. And there's a little girl in the store, and she says, I'm like, hey, aren't you my favorite... Whatever she says. Yeah, yeah. But then the two ladies that work the register look hopefully to the manager, and the manager's kind of face off, and, he's, and it's kind of like, okay, you got your job back. And he dresses up as Santa, and he goes outside, and he sits kind of waiting. You know, and it's really funny, because he goes, he does the whole ho, 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 and then he starts rattling stuff off in Turkish. And um, the, the wormy guy comes with his wife, I guess. Uh -huh. And he's looking for him, but he doesn't want him to see him that he's working there. So he goes to call him on the cell phone. The wormy guy is calling the hero on the cell phone or the lead. And, of course, he's standing next to him. He doesn't recognize him as Santa. And so Santa's phone is going off in his pocket. So Santa reaches for his phone and he turns it off. He kind of pulled the hair and the beard over him so the wormy guy can't recognize him. So the guy kind of like hears it kind of hung up. He goes, huh. And he goes to call again. And the guy turns the phone off again. And it's just like, why? Or goes to turn off the, 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 the ringing. It's like, why didn't you turn off the phone right away if you didn't want to be discovered? Well, anyway. The worrying guy figures out this is the lead. Brother-in-law, whatever he is. And he's talking. He's like, oh, I'll have my girlfriend take a picture with you. Whatever. Uh, and he's yelling, uh, our lead is yelling at the wormy guy, and then the manager comes out again, like, what the hell's going on? And, and our lead is like, no, 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 it's okay, whatever's happening. And then they go off uh, to, the scene is, the wormy guy and his girlfriend are eating McDonald's. There's a McDonald's in the mall. Mm -hmm. And he goes to meet them, and he's talking, he's chatting to them. And he's obviously not happy, but they're cheerful. And they still have, like, the styrofoam McDonald's, containers for the sandwiches for the burgers we noticed and we're like oh i guess when they changed over to paper in america back in i don't know was it like 1991 or something like that they sent all the styrofoam containers to mcdonald's turkey i don't know what what, what the story was there i'm sure they did 
I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And um, they're just like talking, and, and that was it. That was the twenty minutes. Yeah, it's literally. Oh, you also missed. There was a couple of scenes. One where he was talking to a man in a burger suit. And one where he's talking to a man dressed as a boxer. <laughs> that's trigger, right. That's right. When he was being chastised first by somebody, the, the manager, he was being chastised by one of the owners. There was a guy like in a box of soup, but yeah. he was too short for the, so his head didn't fit properly through the hole. And there was a guy dressed as a Big Mac, and for some reason, this Big Mac had a baseball hat on. <laughs> we had a little technical error here. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I forgot. I forget. This was so boring. Uh, yeah. This was, like I said, the two Turkish episodes after two Turkish shows we picked after Subak have been so incredibly boring. Yeah. And I don't know if it's a cultural thing because everybody likes. It's almost like, like manic depressive surrealism mm. is the sense of humor. And people think it's hilarious in Turkey. Yeah, yeah. And we're just like, what? I don't understand what's so funny. Because the only part that made me laugh was like with the phone call and him turning it off and standing right next to him because it was kind of like Keystone Copish. Yeah. I don't know if it's more like... It, it, so, so often it's it's interesting because often um, comedy and horror, usually in in movies or entertainment, very much mirror whatever's going on socio politically in the country at the time. Right. In that, if you trace back historically with movies, times when the country or the world are at peace and things are going well and people are happy. Yeah. You have the more madcap comedies or like slapstick. Right. And then the more extreme horror. Right, because people are like their everyday lives are good and normal, yeah, so the yeah, entertainment yeah, yeah, is crazy. Yeah, yeah. and then you, and then the, the the slap side of that is usually when things are falling apart and crazy in the world, or like mad stuff is going on. People want more generic, like less craziness going on. Horror becomes a lot more subtle. Right, it's a lot more about just like psychological as yeah. opposed to and, gruesome. And all that stuff. And yeah. you look back at it, and you like you look in the seventies and all the crazy horror films that came out in the seventies, when a lot of people were experiencing like a boom and like things were like pretty good right, like, right, right, like, right. oh yeah but everything was extreme or they're like yeah, and yeah. Then Mel Brooks comedy and all the crazy stuff and yeah. now you look at it and people, everything's a lot more subtle and yeah. bad stuff's going on yeah yeah, yeah people yeah, just yeah. want to watch horror films where everyone's just being really quiet all the time <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> I was telling Sean there was a silly video I saw online some guy decided to dub over his cat whenever it meowed and it said what would it be like if cat said hey instead of meow and you see this cat just go Hey, hey, and then the cat does a quiet meow and goes, hey, it was just very stupid. Look it up. It's very funny. But anyway, Nestle Hyatt was, the chocolate hotel was just really boring. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you what was going on here. All I know is, I, I, I guess, I, I guess the good part of this episode has been, if you ask me, the food and the beer. Yes. So let's 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 review the food and the beer, and then we'll get to our, our finale with the with the review, with what we think is going on here. So we both had the chicken shish from Europe Cafe and Grill, which is basically a chicken shish kebab. Uh, you want to go first with the food? What did you think, sir? Food very good. We said this very tasty. It could have been very dry, and the look of it, if you first look at it, it's like oh, it's going to be pretty dry. It's just rice, onions, and chicken cubes. Um, so yeah. Know, be dry. Grilled chicken cubes. Very. Yeah. Succulent, juicy, tasty, very, very simple, but really good. Like really good. Uh, uh, 
often done way worse. Yes. Yeah, very tasty. Yeah. Um, very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. be interested to try some of the more elaborate or interesting things. Yes. If they uh, ever decide to fucking serve them. <laughs> there, is, there is that. <laughs> the restaurant, Sean went through two menu items. The first one was like, no, it's not available. And then he ordered an item that specifically says on the menu, Fridays and Saturdays only. And they're like, no, not until five o'clock. <laughs> like, God damn it. You have an item that's only available two days of the seven days of the week. And then it's also only available only in dinner. like the final four hours of you opening. I'm only like, for what dinner. on earth is the point? <laughs> but you know what? Because of how good this is, I would give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. So what grade do you give the, the shish kebab? Uh, shish kebab. I would give a uh, 4.2 out of 5. Okay. The only thing that could be better is just, I guess, more, a little more stuff. A little maybe more variation. A little, kind of a, little, a little sauce maybe is just to get a little bit different, you know, like a little yeah, 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 with yeah. it. Or, or just like a, a pita bread maybe, a, or something. Just an extra layer would have been nice. Yeah. It was very tasty everything, but yeah. it was just... Yeah, I, I'm with you. We've had, we've had another kebab house, and their kebabs are tasty. But they're always kind of dry. They're always overdone. Like you said, this was succulent, like almost like a hamburger kind of succulent. It was juicy. The chicken was delicious. I snarfed it. I inhaled it. And like you said, yeah. even though it was plain, it was rice with some fried onions and peppers, basically, and the shish kebabs. I thought it was absolutely outstanding. I, I give these kebabs a 4.3 mm-hmm. out of 5. And then the Alagash Black from out of Portland, Maine, seven and a half percent, Belgian style stout. I will give this a. I, <laughs> I, I, I think it was absolutely delicious. It was way smoother than a normal stout. Um, it was kind of like having a potato chip as opposed to having a piece of bread. And I would give this a four point four out of five. 4. 4. Um, 4.4 out of 5. I, I Yeah, no, I thought it was great. I, I think it was very tasty, very nice. Um, everything you said. Where the only thing I would say is, oh, I've been invaded by my tiny baby daughter. Yes. She's <laughs> Lady Nina is here right now. Lady Nina. She's a returning guest. Yes. Um, yeah, no, it was really good. Tasty. I'd give it... Uh, uh, what did you give it? 4.4. 4.4. Yeah, I'd say the same. 4.4. Very tasty. 4.4, yeah. Very nice. I'd have it again. Like, if I saw it somewhere, I'd be like, oh, that was really nice. I'd pick up... I'd, this is exactly the sort of thing if I was out and about, I'd be like, oh, I'd pick up, like, a six-pack of that. Yeah, yeah, In the fridge, and I'd be like, oh, yeah. This is actually a perfect beer to bring to a holiday gathering these yes, days. Yes, really is. It really is, because it's not too heavy, because people are like, oh, stout is too heavy. No, no, no. This is... If, if you're not into the heaviness of a stout, but you're kind of intrigued by the flavor, this is your beer. Yeah. This yeah. is your beer because it, it's not yeah. as it's not as thick as a stout, but it has it's as robust flavor wise as, as a stout, but it's a much smoother, easier drink. Be very interested to see how something like this would go on tap because I feel like so much oh. of these sorts of beers, uh, so much of the taste is brought into the fact that it's bottled and it kind of like you know yeah yeah, yeah. extra kind of uh, zing. But I want it out of a tap, you know, in like a big glass I wonder what that would go down like it would be pretty that'd be an interesting uh, yeah be interesting beer yeah yeah no very nice okay and now Nestle Hyatt what's going on here 
You want to go first? You want me to go first? You go first. I'll go first. Okay. Nestle Hyatt. This is very simple. <laughs> what this man is doing, he is a descendant of the Knights Templar. Ah. And he's trying to conquer Turkey through being a Santa. By giving little toys that will corrupt all the little Turkish children. Mm-hmm. And if he gets the financial and physical help from the old man with the Coke bottle glasses, uh-huh. I think he will be able to conquer Turkey. Interesting. And turn it into a Knights Templar. Yeah. Because for people who don't know what happened to the Knights Templar, it's very simple. Um, and this is a kook alert. Cook uh-huh. alert, cook alert. Uh-huh. Conspiracy theory. Uh-huh. My, this is the portion of my brain that's conspiracy theory. The Knights Templar are just Switzerland. Bankers. Yeah. Right. And if you look at the flag, it's just the reverse. They made the field red and the cross white, whereas it used to be the field that was white and the cross was red. That's true. And they kind of threw you a, 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 a red herring with Malta. Like, no, no, no. A few of us just settled on Malta. They didn't. You ended up in Switzerland. Because Switzerland was just mountains with like cow farmers and then they became like i mean you think about all the battles that have happened over the years and all the dictators and switzerland always ends up unscathed classic hiding place and and where is the papal guard from swiss guard the royal swiss guard what royal swiss guard was there a swiss king ever no no Conspiracy theory right there. And what's the best distraction when someone's getting too close to finding out the secrets? Chocolate. Chocolate. Absolutely. And cheese. Cheese, That goes without saying. They're like, I came here. He's like, like, what what brings you to Switzerland? They're like, oh, I'm here. I'm researching my special topic. Would you like a Gruyere? Would you like a Gruyere? (laughs) And some Toblerone? (laughs) like, yes, I will. Yes, I will. Uh, You did. You throw that Toblerone in front of me and I'm like a fish with a lure. I'm, I'm out of there. So, that's what's going on, and Nestle Hyatt is basically yippee motherfucker. Wow. On the 30th anniversary of Die Hard. Interesting. That's what I think is going on here. Yeah, that's a really good... That's one of your best ones yet. That's, <laughs> that's excellent. That is, that's way better than the film. Really yes, it is. It. It, it really is. It. Now you almost want to watch the rest of the shit show. I do want to watch that now. I'm very interested. <laughs> okay, wow. go ahead. What do you think is going on We here? should probably go, talking about like, you know, uh, improvising or expanding on our ideas from this podcast into uh-huh. like um, sketches or their own things. Like right. would, you could certainly have a whole series of situations where we just go back and look at all the, uh, our uh, choices, choices, choices of what yeah. we think, uh, of what we think the films are actually about. Uh-huh. And just from that, just try and recreate those movies as to what we believe that they were trying to do in the movie. And I think you would have an anthology of classic I, I without a doubt entertainment there Amblin Entertainment would probably be knocking on our doors within like the first two movies <laughs> it would be did. pretty blue though I think there'd be there'd be a fair few kind of like adult films <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. There, there definitely like, there's a whole sex school series you know what I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna give a t- give a call out to Ron Jeremy see what we okay. can do <laughs> Go ahead. What do you think is going on with Nestle Hyatt? I think, uh-huh. because as you rightfully point out, um, Turkey is generally not, uh, you, you think of it as being a Western um, culture with uh-huh. Christian holidays. Right. Like, uh, Christmas, Santa Claus seems kind 
kind of out of place. So I think uh-huh. this whole thing secretly underneath here somewhere in Disney or somewhere is funding this uh-huh. as a way of trying to um, exploit Christmas and trying to get it on the Turkish. So I think what this is, uh-huh. is this is in the style of the Star Wars prequels, this is a Turkish origin tale of Santa Claus. Uh-huh. And I so, think, oh, you mean like like Tim Allen? This is their he's yeah. their version of Tim Allen, the Santa Claus. This is they begin with Santa Claus. This is uh, everyone will watch this film every year, and they'll be like, "And this is how Santa Claus was born." Okay, I like that I one. I think that's what it is. I like that one. I went a little Dan Brown, but yeah. I, <laughs> I like your version. Here's that, and we all know the story of how Santa Claus came to be. They're like, oh, yes, oh, it was oh. a long and boring story, <laughs> much like a many a Bible story. <laughs> yes, with the shopping mall and the restaurants and the McDonald's. <laughs> yes, of course, McDonald's get themselves in there. It's probably them are funding it. <laughs> Yeah, I like that one. Well, there you have it, folks. That's our take on Nestle Hyatt and our take on Black Belgian Style Stout by Allagash Brewers and Chicken Shish Kebabs from the Europe Cafe and Grill in Tenafly, New Jersey. So, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Yeah, yeah. Bye.